thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Well, hey, uh, I would tell you to grab your bulletin, but it will not be of any help to you. <laughs> uh, we jumped into a series two weeks ago uh, called Let's Go. And I said, I can't do Let's Go until you, we do Come In. So we did Come In two weeks ago. And today is Let's Go Out, or Go Out, okay? Now, we took this term. Uh, let, me, let me, I told you, in your Bible, I want you to go to 1 Samuel 11. Put your finger at 1 Samuel, I mean, uh, 2 Samuel 11. 2 Samuel 11. Go there, put your finger there, and then I want you to go back and look at what we talked about last week. 1 Kings I want you to see where we got this. We took a term called come in and go out, and we broke it down. Looked, we're going to look at it through all throughout Scripture because it's everywhere, okay? And we took it out of 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7. Listen to this. And this is Solomon. It says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child, and I do not know how to go out or come in. We took that phrase, and we're gonna, we just looked at it. And so today, we're going to look at going out. Coming in, uh, this phrase is a military phrase. It's about going to war, okay? And we are in a war today, a spiritual war today, still in a spiritual war. And so coming in is about worship, and going out is about witnessing, Okay, and two weeks ago, we looked at coming in, okay, and today we're going to look at going out, okay? Let me ask you a question. What would happen to a person if they said, I'm no longer going to go out, I just want to come in to the presence of God? I just want to come into the presence of God. Now, when you hear that, you're thinking, that's not so bad, that's not bad. What's wrong with just coming in to the presence of God? Well, can I tell you something? It really does have implications, bad implications in your life, okay? And here's the reason that I say this, and we're going to look at it in Scripture in just a little bit. You ever seen a body of water where you drive by it, and, and there's water out there, but it's got, this, it's got this skim on top, this film on top? It, and it's kind of nasty. And your, your first thought is, ugh, man, I wouldn't want to swim in that. Let me tell you what that is. That's a body of water that has water coming in, rain, runoff, but has no way to get out. None. Doesn't have any way to get out. Okay? And so what happens is it, it, gets, it gets nasty. It gets polluted. has a skim on top. And mosquitoes just love it. Okay, now here's the deal. The reason that coming in the worship only would be detrimental to us is we're not designed that way. We're not designed that way. God designed us to be a river, not a reservoir. You got to catch this. You got to understand that we're not a reservoir, we are a river. You got to just got to come in and it's got to go out. It comes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. And that's how God designed you. And so a person who says, I'm just going to come into his presence, it sounds real super spiritual, but you're rot. You'll begin to stink. You'll get a film on you, and people won't want to swim around you. They won't even want to be around you. 
because you've got to have an outlet. Now, it would be really incredible if we could find this. We're going to look today at David. David was an incredible warrior. David was a great warrior. He was a great worshiper. He was a great man of God. But we know something else about David. He had a, he had a moral failure. He failed morally. Okay? And what if the Bible, this would be so cool. What if the Bible told us how that happened? That'd be amazing. If the Bible just gave a reason why that happened, and what would be so amazing about it is if we could find that in Scripture, and then it had something to do with coming in and going out. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know where I'm going. 2 Samuel, go there with me. 2 Samuel, I'm going to need your participation today, all right? 2 Samuel, go to chapter 11. 2 Samuel 11. 2 Samuel 11, look at verse 1 and 2. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings, I need you to say these words for me, go out. Go out to battle. That David sent Joab and his servant with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. And David remained in church in Jerusalem. He's supposed to be going out to battle, and he went to church. Oh, my God, preacher, you say going to church is wrong? You just can't come in, brethren. You just can't come in. Look at verse 2. And then it happened. And then it happened. And then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed, walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. Let me ask you a question. It's real simple. Not a trick question. Would David had even seen Bathsheba if he was where he was supposed to be? Nope, wouldn't have happened. If he would have just continued to go out, he'd have never seen her. But he stopped going out. Thomas said, I, I don't know how to do what my father knows how to do. My father knows how to come in and go out. But then he stopped. And instead of going out, he sent his servants to do it. Mm. Listen to me, church. We are designed to give and receive. To receive and to give. When you stop coming in and going out, okay, you stop giving receiving and giving, you begin to try to meet your own needs. You can't meet your own needs, okay? They're, they're met when you go come in and go out. When you give and receive, you give and receive. And when you do that, what you really need the most, the Holy Spirit knows. And as you give, serve, minister, witness to other people, God fills you up with everything you just used and even more for the next time. But when you stop Going out, you get a film on you and you start to stink. You see, I know you're like me. Preacher gets ready to do a series. Say, say, say Pastor Jeff's doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Woo, 
Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. Mm. Man, Pastor Jeff going to do a study on the Word, man. Oh, I love the Word. Woo! I'm ready for the Word. I can't wait. Well, Pastor Jeff going to do a series on let's go. Uh, no, I ain't doing that. No. No, it's go stuff. That, that sounds like something I got to do. I don't want to do anything. I just want you to give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. All right? No. That's a bad pastor that all he does is just give it to you, give it to you, give it to you. You've got to get them out. We're not a church in here. We're a church out there. This is where we come and get empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. The battle is out there. You've got to come in here and soak it up and come in, and then you've got to go out. You've got to go out and minister. In this case, you've got to go out and witness. Okay. Now, I wanted you to look at a New Testament passage on coming in and going out. Turn to Luke. Luke 14. My goodness, I got a row today. Luke 14. Go to verse 15. Luke 14, 15. Because a lot of people say, oh, that, that going in and coming out, that's just Old Testament. Mm, no, it's not. All right. Verse 15. Now, when one of those sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said to him, Now, watch this. He said to him, he here is Jesus. Said to who? The dude at the table that just said that statement. And then Jesus goes to speaking to him. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant to supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, you could say, come in, for all things are now ready. But they... But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first, first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another said to him, I bought five yoke, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to f- excuse me. Then another said, I've gotten married, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master, and the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets, the lanes, and the cities, and bring here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. If you're in your own Bible, write us. That's us. We weren't invited to the first one. We got invited to this one. That's you and me. So pick which one you are, lame, maimed, messed up, whatever. That's us, okay? And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them. I'll come back to that later. Compel them to come in, for my house may be filled. And for I say to you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now, I have turned this I've given this parable my own title. It's the parable of great excuses. And I've given the three of them a name. And we're going to run through this today. First is this, the case of the missing ground. The case of the missing ground. Now, let me say something to you. This dude just bought some land, and he says, I can't come to the supper because i got to go see it. i got to go see my land. Dude. Nobody steals land. It ain't going anywhere. I mean, people don't go out there and go, dude, where's my land? It was, just, it was just here. Now, you might steal the deed to the land, but nobody steals the land. 
And can I, get, can I help you with something? These banquets are at night. He ain't going to Got a flashlight? Headlights? They don't have that stuff, do they? I'm going to go see some land. It almost sounds like that he bought land without seeing it. Nobody buys land without seeing it. They did in Louisiana. It didn't work out real well for them, all right? They got down to southern Louisiana and all that swamp land. What did we pay for this? This is what? So listen to me. Nobody buys land without seeing it. Nobody has to go see land. It ain't going anywhere. Go to, the, go to the banquet, and after you get done, it'd be there the next morning when the sun comes up. No, the ground can't go missing. That's a terrible excuse. It's a foolish excuse. Second is this, the case of the radioactive oxen. They have to be radioactive, amen, because listen to me. The banquet is at night. You don't plow at night. You don't plow at night. What I mean, they had to be radioactive, amen? Did they glow in the dark, or did they have a shiny nose, and it, would have, and it was red, and if you ever saw it, you would say it even glowed? I mean, what is this? I, I put in my Bible the first Rudolph. That's the first Rudolph in Scripture. That dude must have had a glowing nose. You, you, don't, you don't need to go. Man, who, who buys oxen without testing them? You don't go test oxen. I got to see if it's oxen pulled his what? You don't do that. They must have been good friends because obviously the guy that bought the oxen is going to go plow the man who bought the land and didn't see it. These two cats buy stuff without even seeing it, not even trying it out. I'm going to go test drive my car I bought. What? You might want to test drive that first. I mean, it don't make any sense. You say, well, these are stupid excuses. They're not just stupid. They're foolish, man. They're foolish excuses. Third is this, the case of the killer bride. The case of the killer bride. Now, let me help you with something. These banquets, man, they're different. Because today, we get invited to a banquet, and we're like, ah, oh, man, i got to dress up, act like I like people I don't even know, eat frozen chicken. It's probably cold in the middle because the microwave didn't heat it up. I mean, we don't get into it. But understand, back then, all the food tasted like cardboard back then. They just chewing on sticks and roots and stuff. They did all blame. There was nothing good. I mean, a banquet is a big, big deal. I mean, they got all the food groups you ever wanted. It's a huge deal. You've got tons of food. You've got food everywhere, man. Everything you want is there. Bountiful. You can eat, be full, be sick. You can have tons of stuff, okay? So banquet's a big, big deal, all right? And so let me say something to you. This la- I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive here. I, you have to hear my heart on this. This guy just got married, he just got married, all right? He gets an opportunity to go to a banquet. And you're telling me any man in his right mind is going to turn down a banquet and take a chance on something a bride is going to make that doesn't really know how to cook. Come on, guys. Now, ladies, listen to me. I love you to death, but not every wife comes in the marriage knowing how to cook. Amen? I mean, they don't. I, when I was at Gladewater, I was still a single guy, and there's this couple, and they just got married, and they invited me over one evening. And so I knock on the door, I come over, and when he opens the door, this smoke just billows out. <laughs> I'm like, John, what's, what's up, man? How y'all doing? Come on in, man, we're, we're, we're finishing dinner. I said, all right, so I go in there, and 
So, I mean, the whole place is smoking. And they're, they're trying the best they can. They've been married about a week. They're trying to eat burnt baked potatoes. I mean, they're just bad, okay? And so she gets up, Cindy does, to go get me a glass of tea. And I lean over to John and said, dude, why are you eating this? He said, shh, don't you say a word. Don't you say one thing, dude. Three days ago, I said something. You see that couch? I've been on that couch every night since then. I said, why are the smoke detectors going off? Dude, I took them down three days ago. This place was like on fire. Right? Now, I mean, they, they eventually get that cooking thing down, but they don't come into it cooking. Amen? And here's this guy. He just gets married. He gets invited to a banquet. I'm talking a spread. A spread. I can just see the guy at the door. Buddy leaves. Sure you don't want to come to the supper? can't come. I, I, I can't come. I, I just can't come. Now, I want you to go back to these verses. This is hilarious. Don't tell me the Bible's not funny. I want you to go back to these verses. Look at 18, all right? But all of them in one accord began to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to be asked for, that I might be excused. The other one said, I bought five oak of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to excuse me. Watch this. Still another one said, I married a wife, and I can't go. <laughs> I married a wife, I can't go. I got to go eat that baked potato. <laughs> he can't go. He can't go. Now, what's, here's, here's what Jesus is trying to say. And I mean, I'm now putting this in kind of a humorous way. But this stuff's funny, man. It is funny. Radioactive oxygens and all. You got you to laugh at that stuff. It's good stuff. Now, here's the deal. What Jesus is trying to say, any excuse for not accepting Christ is foolish. Any of them. They don't make any sense. Land that you got to go see? What? Got to go try, test some oxen? I got to eat a bad baked potato? That doesn't matter, man. You got to get to the supper. And I know what you're saying. Lost people make excuses all the time. Here's, here's lost people make Make a lot of excuses. Here's number one. I don't go to church because there's hypocrites at church. Okay. There's hypocrites at the ball game. There's hypocrites at the golf course. There's lots of hypocrites at the golf course. There's hypocrites at the mall. Because a hypocrite is, is saying that you're one thing and living another. Amen. It's like this. It's like a counterfeit life. So they, so they go to church, and there's counterfeit Christians in church, and so they won't go back because of that. It's like if you watch me one day, and you come in my house, and I've got my window open, and I'm just throwing money out the window. Preacher, what are you doing? I saw some counterfeit money, so I'm throwing it all away. That's crazy. Because you saw a couple of counterfeit Christians, you're going to throw your life away. That don't make, that's just crazy. Here's the deal. I would rather be in church for several years with a hypocrite than in hell with them eternally. Because that's where they're going to be. That's where they're going to be. I want you to go back to verse 23. I want you to see this. Verse 23. Then the master said to his servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in to compel them to come in. You ever seen a, a picture of a 
movie or watch a guy get his arm pulled up behind him like this, and, and you yank that arm up high enough, and, that, and you can drive that dude like anywhere you want to. That's what, in the Greek, that's how strong that word is. That you, you compel them, with, you constrain them with force. You, you, you constrain them with force. That's how much passion Jesus says, go out and get them. You've got to go get them. You've got to go get them. Because here's the two reasons they're not going to be at the supper. One reason is they rejected the invitation. And the second is they never got invited. That part's on us. What they do with it is their deal. But our deal, according to Scripture and obedience to Christ, is to compel them to come to the supper. Mm. I want you to see this story. It's like Jesus, these guys have their, they're pulled up to the table. And the one says, it's going to be so awesome when we get to heaven and we're eating with Jesus at the foot of the cross. And we're eating at the, at the banqueting table in heaven. And Jesus almost pushes his chair back and stands up. And he says, I compel you to go get them. Almost like, get your feet out from under my table and go get them. That's what he's saying. I mean with passion. See, he immediately doesn't turn to all those who are already at the supper table. Immediately, his attention turns to all those who aren't at the table. And he says to me and you, get your feet out from under my table and go get them. Go get them. Now, listen to me. As goofy as lost people's excuses are, um, there's a penny there, I don't know why. Uh, as crazy as lost people's excuses are, let me tell you something. Christians make some funny excuses too. They do. All right? Let, let me, this is for an example. You walk into a store. Let's say you go to the mall and you're shopping and you see this person and you go, hey, hey, isn't your son on my son's soccer team? Yeah, they sure are. And, and yeah, where do y'all live? Yeah, we just live. Yeah, right, y'all live right around the corner from us. Oh my gosh. And all of a sudden, this thought hits you. I should invite them to church. Lord, I just, mm, Lord, listen to me. This is what conversation you have inside. Lord, if, it, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, if it's you speaking to me and you want me to invite them to church, Lord, you know, you know me. I know you. No, excuse me. Let's get one thing straight this morning. God, is that you? <laughs> Listen to me. Let's, let's go ahead and end it right here. Satan is not going to move you to invite people to church. Okay, y'all just going to have to go ahead and get that out of your system. The, Satan is not going to prompt you to invite anybody to church. You say, well, if it's not him, it might be me. It's not you. You're not that spiritual. Now, listen to me. That is God. That is Jesus. That's him. Don't go, God, Lord, is that you want me to invite people to church? Well, it sure isn't the enemy. Satan ain't invite nobody to church. It's just crazy. It's foolish, the excuses we give. Witnessing going out is easy. Listen to me. Witnessing happens naturally unless you stop it. 
It does. Witnessing will happen naturally unless you stop it. You know what witnessing is? Here's all that it is. I'm, a, I'm a just going to help you. It's really not complicated. It's not some big old word. Witnessing is simply talking about someone you're in love with. That's it. That's just it. It's just talking about someone you're in love with. I, I was doing a premarital counseling several years ago, and I asked this guy about how he met this girl, and I thought I'd never get him shut up. Okay, you just got to meet her. She's incredible. Oh, my God. She's just incredible. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's owned up. I'm like, dude, you're killing me. All right? What he's doing is he's witnessing to me. He's so in love with her, he can't, he can't stop talking about her. Let me tell you something. When you, when you fall in love, all you want to do is spend time with that person, and when you're not with that person, all you want to do is talk about them. In the guy's world, all we know is one of our buddies, one of the posse, one of the guys used to hang with, dude, he's just gone missing. He's just gone. I'll say he's just gone. It's like, dude, where's Bill? Y'all seen Bill? I, I ain't seen Bill. A couple weeks later, you see Bill. He, he's in the mall with a purse. <laughs> he never went to the mall. He never went to the mall before. And I never saw that purse. He just... What's wrong? He wants to spend time with her, and he wants to talk about her. And, and, the, and when, you, when Bill comes back around the guys, the guys are like, somebody got to tell Bill to go away again. Because he ain't talking about hunting and fishing. Have y'all seen her eyes? Her hands? She has the prettiest hands. Dude, you're killing this, man. You Go. Go to the mall. Where's your purse? You got, you got to get. I mean... It's all just about falling in love with someone. Listen to me. When you come in to his presence, you fall in love with him. And because you're in love with him, you go out and witness. You go out and talk about him. See, it's not complicated, folks. It's come in and go out. Someone said, I don't know how to do what my, dad, what my father knew how to do. He knew how to come in and go out. What happened to David was he stopped going out, and it cost him. It cost him. Listen to me. Witnessing is not, is not difficult, my friends. You come in to his presence and fall in love with Jesus, and you walk out, and you won't be able to stop talking about him. I, I, I brought you a gift today because I love you. I told you as a church, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Now, I know it's a little bit past Christmas, but I thought, you're not going to get a present on the first day of March anyway, so I'm going to give it to you, all right? I want everyone to have one. Everybody get one. I know it, I, I, it's not one per family. It's one per individual, okay? I want everyone to have a gift. This is from me to you. It's not the size that matters, okay? It's the thought, all right? This is a fishing lead. It's just a simple fishing lead. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking because you're, you're in church, and, and all, of you, all of you are thinking church answers because that's what we do in church, all right? You're thinking, preacher done gave me this fishing lead because he wants to remind me to be fishers of men. No, thanks for playing, all right? That's not why I gave it to you, all right? You're not that spiritual, Okay? That's not why I gave it to you. Here's what I gave it to you for is simply this. There is 
when I talk to people, and even in my own life, when I talk to people, they always tell me uh, there's, there's this excuse that people give for not witnessing. And it's, it is by far the number one excuse anywhere for not witnessing. So today I thought, because I love you, I want to give you a gift that takes that excuse off the table. You, you don't have it anymore, okay? So I need you to hold it up for me, and I want you, I want you to watch this. I'm, I'm going to take away the number one excuse for not witnessing. People told me that the reason they do not witness like they should is because they don't feel led. So here's the deal. I need you to put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, and the next time you have an opportunity, I want you to reach in there and feel led and go witness. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, I thank you so much for this church, God. And God, your commandment for us is to come in and go out. Simply that. And God, I pray that each one of us today have come into your presence and fallen in love with you. And we walk out of here, God. Nobody can stop us from talking about the one we love. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you today. And this morning, God, I pray that now that we feel led to do this, God, you'd give us the boldness to do it. Maybe we need to come to this altar. God, we miss opportunities right and left. We do not see it. We don't take advantage of it. We're scared. We don't know what to say. God, we need to come up here and just kneel before you and say, God, I, 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 I want to I go out and represent you, man. I've come in way too long. I'm so fat. I got a lot to give. God, if there's somebody, a family, anybody here that, that is looking for a church home, God, I pray this invitation time they'd come this morning and join First Baptist. God, you move us. If we need prayer, come this morning. But God, this morning, you move us to be obedient to the word that we've heard this morning. In Christ's name.